Long History, a journal of the first voyage of Vasco da Gama, top 10 surprises. Hello everyone and welcome to Long History, how are you? In this episode we're looking at a document about Vasco da Gama's journey to India. This was described in a document called a journal of the first voyage of Vasco da Gama, also known in Portuguese as the Roteiro. Now we've already covered the whole document here on Long History in 15 parts and we've just summed up the voyage in the previous episode of Long History, Top 10 Events. And after we've created an episode of Top 10 Events, we like to take another look at the document from a slightly different angle and we call it Top 10 Surprises, but all that means really is Top 10 things that stood out about this document, things that were noteworthy along the way and in this way it's just a different analysis of the same document. We've got lots of these Top 10 Surprises episodes now about Columbus, Magellan, Sir Walter Raleigh and many more. So feel free to explore on your podcast provider or on longhistory.net, our website, where all our episodes are gathered together. Here we go with a journal of the first voyage of Vasco da Gama, Top 10 Surprises. Straight into it, the first surprise is the source of this document. We've said it was a document called in Portuguese the Roteiro and it's actually apparently a copy of the original document. The authorship of this document seems to be unknown, although some guesses have been made, and we're also not quite sure who copied this document. The original has been lost to time, so this copy is the only version of this account that we have, and it's not the only time that there's been a kind of a convoluted provenance for these documents. The account of Columbus's first voyage across the Atlantic, for example, is actually a historian summarising Columbus's journal, having seen it, even though the journal itself is lost to time. So this strange provenance is kind of frustrating, but we have no choice really, other than to take it at face value. But that's the first surprise. Unfortunately, the loose ends of history aren't always tied together neatly. The second surprise was really due to my own lack of knowledge, actually. I knew that Vasco da Gama's journey was very historic because he found a route to India via the tip of Africa, but I hadn't realised until I read this document that he did have predecessors who tried to make the same journey. And the previous record holder for this journey is Bartholomew Diaz, who is mentioned in this text towards the end of episode 3 and the beginning of episode 4. And I suppose what surprised me most is that this event, this journey to India, didn't exist in isolation. There were people who came before and Vasco da Gama is conscious of this, and the text actively mentions when they've gone beyond the predecessor's record in the following quotation. On Saturday we passed the last pillar, and as we ran along the coast we observed two men running along the beach in a direction contrary to that which we followed. So that's where they mention the pillar raised by Bartholomew Diaz, to show that he'd made it that far, and then a little later they mention him by name. We were already then beyond the last discovery made by Bartholomew Diaz. And from this point, which is December the 17th, the men are entering new waters for the Portuguese. The next part of the journey involves East Africa, the coast including Mozambique and Mombasa and Malindi. And in trying to think what stood out most here, there were two aspects. The first of these two surprises being the importance of Moors and Christians on this coast. And perhaps this is just the Christians on this ship seeing things in their own terms. But in Mozambique, for example, everyone seems to be Moorish. While in Mombasa, there are Christians, but there are clear rivalries between the Christians and the Moors in this area. As shown in the following quotation. 
the Christian merchants in the town are only temporary residents and are held in much subjection, they not being allowed to do anything except by order of the Moorish king. Now that was in episode 7, but it is quite striking how every place is described in terms of Christians and Moors, and there are mentions of black people as well, so it's perhaps unsurprising that the author of this document sees the world in this way, but it is striking how they're always described as Moors, Christians, blacks first. And this feeds into the next surprise. Again, looking at East Africa in the 1400s, what surprised me here is again my own ignorance, really. Of course, there's no reason why cities such as Mombasa shouldn't have existed for a very long time, but it is surprising here to see a thriving city called Mombasa in the 1400s, and this whole coastline, although we see it through the eyes of the Portuguese in this document, is clearly a place with a long history, a long list of rivalries, Moors, Christians, various peoples. Clearly, history is already taking place here, and these Portuguese are just sailing through. Just to find one quote as an example, we've got here. On Easter Sunday, the Moors whom we had taken in the boat told us that there were, at this city of Melindi, four vessels belonging to Christians from India, and that if it pleased us to take them there, they would provide us, instead of them, Christian pilots, and all we stood in need of, including water, wood, and other things. So in this town of Melindi, to the north of Mombasa in today's Kenya, we have mentions of Moors, but also Christians from India. So we can see that although this is a first for the Portuguese, these towns and these sea routes already existed back in the 1400s. So although this is a historic journey for the Portuguese, the surprise here is that there are many other histories taking place as the Portuguese passed through. And that quotation was from episode 7. The next surprise is in episode 8. The crew leave Melindi on the 24th of April. They follow the coast just for a little while and see many large cities of Christians and Moors, as the text says. But then there's a leap from Sunday, April the 29th to Friday the 18th of May. And then it says, After having seen no land for 23 days, we sighted lofty mountains and having all this time sailed before the wind, we could not have made less than 600 leagues. The land, when first sighted, was at a distance of eight leagues, and our lead reached bottom at 45 fathoms. Now, I have cut a bit out there, but not much, only a sentence or two. But the crew seemed to go from Africa to India in this 23-day period. And my surprise was, where was the Middle East in all this? There's plenty of land between Africa and India, but the crew appeared to skip it all and just head straight to India. And it seems that they had people to guide them to India, so this is why they managed to take a straight journey there. But it did seem surprising to me that having the opportunity to pass the Middle East and explore these lands, they instead skipped straight to India. And it means there's a big gap in this document that's dismissed as we saw no land for 23 days. And that took place around episode 8. The sixth surprise takes place when the men land in Calicut in India. And the surprise is the definition of Christianity, really, because the men do assume that the people of Calicut are Christians. They assume that the king of this area is also Christian. And it isn't ambiguous, they call them Christians. And yet we have this description of a church. I'll just give the main parts here. The body of the church is as large as a monastery, all built of hewn stone and covered with lilies. At the main entrance rises a pillar of bronze as high as a mast, 
on the top of which was perched a bird, apparently a cock. In the centre of the body of the church rose a chapel, all built of hewn stone, with a bronze door sufficiently wide for a man to pass, and stone steps leading up to it. Within this sanctuary stood a small image which they said represented Our Lady. Along the walls, by the main entrance, hung seven small bells. In this church the Captain Major said his prayers, and we with him. They threw holy water over us, and gave us some white earth which the Christians of this country are in the habit of putting on their foreheads, breasts, around the neck, and on the forearms. They threw holy water upon the Captain Major, and gave him some of the earth, which he gave in charge of someone, giving them to understand that he would put it on later. Many other saints were painted on the walls of the church wearing crowns. They were painted variously with their teeth protruding an inch from the mouth, and four or five arms. So if this is a church, as the document says, it's a very strange church. And with just a little more knowledge of India, we can assume that this isn't actually a Christian church. So it is strange how this is completely taken as a Christian place. Even with these statues with four or five arms, and this tradition of putting this white earth on their foreheads, breasts, around the neck and on the forearms, these don't seem to be Christian things. And yet the Christianity isn't doubted. It seems to exist only in contrast to Moorishness. And that description took place in episode 9. The next surprise is with regards to the king's welcome of the Portuguese. The whole event is very strange and hard to unravel, really. The king meets the Portuguese men and seems to be friendly. The king asks Vasco da Gama what he wants, and Vasco da Gama says that he's an ambassador to the king of Portugal. And they talk into the night, but there isn't much of a positive response from the king and it's after that that things begin to go sour. But it's not even quite clear in what way things have gone sour. Da Gama tries to present some gifts to the king, but these are thrown back at him as not being good enough for this king. The king is clearly unhappy as shown in the following quotation. The king then said that he had told him that he came from a very rich kingdom, and yet he had brought him nothing, and that he also told him that he was the bearer of a letter which had not yet been delivered. To this the captain rejoined that he had brought nothing because the object of his voyage was merely to make discoveries, but that when the other ships came he would see then what they brought him. As to the letter, it was true that he had brought one and would deliver it immediately, and so there already seemed to be misunderstandings here. And reading between the lines, somehow a decision seems to have been made here that the Portuguese aren't very welcome after all. Whatever protocol needed to be fulfilled hasn't been fulfilled. The next surprise is in the following quotation, which takes place just when they arrive in Calicut in India. On the following day, these same boats came again alongside, when the Captain Major sent one of the convicts to Calicut, and those with whom he went took in two Moors from Tunis, who could speak Castilian and Genoese. The first greeting that he received was in these words, May the devil take thee! What brought you hither? They asked what he sought so far away from home, and he told them that we came in search of Christians and of spices. They said, Why does not the king of Castile, the king of France, or the Signoria of Venice send hither? He said that the king of Portugal would not consent to their doing so, and they said he did the right thing. There's another conversation a little later. When he had eaten, he returned to the ships, accompanied by one of the Moors, 
who was no sooner on board than he said these words, a lucky venture, a lucky venture, plenty of rubies, plenty of emeralds. You owe great thanks to God for having brought you to a country holding such riches. We were greatly astonished to hear his talk, for we never expected to hear our language spoken so far away from Portugal. So the surprise here is that they're in India, and yet the men hear Portuguese being spoken, but more than that they hear mention of Castile, France and Venice. So we can hear here how there have been links between India and Europe, and that people have travelled to these places before, and that there are people who've heard of these distant places. And those quotations took place in episode 8. The next surprise is that when the men finally leave India, they seem to explore a bit more of the coastline this time. But again they spend over three months in open water, according to the following quotation. Owing to frequent calms and foul winds, it took us three months less three days to cross the gulf. And all our people again suffered from their gums, which grew over their teeth, so that they could not eat. There's a little gap and then, thirty of our men died in this manner, an equal number having died previously, and those able to navigate each ship were only seven or eight, and even these were not as well as they ought to have been. So in fact the most perilous part of this journey seems to have been the return home. Once again there's a big gap where they could have done much more exploring, but instead they head straight to Africa, and then head towards home. And that quotation was in the final episode, episode 15. Which leads us neatly onto the final surprise, which is the sudden ending, of course. In the text that we use, it ends with the following sentence, We nevertheless could get no sight of the land, but the pilots told us that we were near the shoals of the Rio Grande. So they have passed the Cape of Good Hope by this point, but then the document just ends, and we don't actually know much of what happened after that, because the ships seem to split up, and then it seems to be some time before Vasco da Gama himself actually makes it back to Portugal. One ship apparently arrived back in Lisbon on the 10th of July 1499, but Vasco da Gama himself doesn't appear to have reached Portugal until the end of August that year. There you have 10 surprises in the journal of the first voyage of Vasco da Gama. I hope you've enjoyed that, and I hope it's food for thought to help you explore this journey more. If that has been of interest, don't forget that there are other Top 10 Surprises episodes on Long History, plenty to explore, either on your podcast provider or on longhistory.net. Before you move on, if you could like this episode, it would be much appreciated. And thanks to everyone who's subscribed or followed these episodes, so you can have automatic updates when things are released. Thank you for listening to a journal of the first voyage of Vasco da Gama, Top 10 Surprises. Goodbye.